Happy Monday. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. Stu, what was the top story for you today? If you thought the direction of the media was bad yesterday, you're going to think it's even worse today. Oh, Mm -hmm. hashtag evergreen. Jason Howerton. (laughs) (laughs) If you thought the direction of the Democratic Party was bad, Uh, wait uh, till you see what's going on today uh, with one of the failed congressional candidates. I see what you did there. (laughs) And Mr. Andrew Heaton. But there's at least one valiant Democrat fighting against socialism, and I will give him due applause. That's, we don't, <laughs> not we don't want to give them credit on here. On this network, it's not allowed. <laughs> All right, obviously a lot to get into. First, we want to thank our sponsor, American Financing. Um, so I won't, I won't do this one to you. I'll actually, I'll just talk about American Financing and not and badly not, about you. Yeah, that's nice. For once, it would be nice. Uh, we like American Financing here. Uh, Sarah doesn't like me, but I like American <laughs> Financing. Um, they're right. great. Uh, they, we actually, I dealt with them when we were going through our house, uh, buying our house here in uh, Texas. And they were really able to uh, walk me through the entire process, give me everything that I needed to uh, go through with the buy and actually make me understand it, too, which was valuable to me because usually it's just like, eh, just pay this much and don't worry about it. It's a big financial transaction, so you should go with someone you actually trust. And American Financing has salary-based consultants, so they don't care about getting you into, uh, you know, for commissions or anything like that. They just, you know, care about doing the best they can for their customers, so you come back. So it's a great way of being set up, and American Financing has done a great job for, I know, myself and Glenn and and many others in the audience. So if you are looking to refinance, um, just purchase a home, whatever the case may be, you can go to AmericanFinancing.net or you can call 800-906-2440. All right, Stu. Uh, I feel like this is a multi-layered one um, because we start with the Nancy Pelosi doctored video. This is what was posted initially on a couple of very small news sites on Facebook uh, about Nancy Pelosi blurting out this, you know, the typical nonsense Nancy Pelosi blurts out, but slightly slower than normal. Watch. Water, clean water, infrastructure, the satellites so that we can have precision farming. There's so many needs. And we thought we had some level of agreement but you never know with this president of the United States. So that's that, what happened. This is the regular one, right? <laughs> it was very, very, very strange. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a little-known uh, fact, if you don't happen to be in the business of radio, which is if you slow anyone's voice down just a tiny, tiny bit, they seem very drunk. We've used this to great effect over the years. It's actually a really fun thing, and it, it's not something you're trying to destroy Nancy Pelosi's reputation. It's, it's just it's a funny way of <laughs> watching someone speak. Frankly, like we do this thing called Helium Thursdays on the air where we'll take politicians speak and put them through a helium sort of compressor uh, and change the pitch of their voice. And that's also funny. I don't know why. It's just it just is. Uh, So we've done this like 100 times on the air. And it's like a very typical thing that you do that it's Republicans and Democrats. So uh, the Daily Beast decides to go on on a journalistic jihad to figure out what person posted this video of Nancy Pelosi. Now, I think there is legitimate criticism to be handed out to people like Rudy Giuliani, who actually tweeted this as if it was real. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, there's a you should be able 
in 2019 to take a moment and figure out if it's the legitimate video when this person is talking as if she's absolutely hammered on stage. <laughs> you should know to check it out and see if it's real. And isn't that where the accountability lies is in the, the public figures who, yeah. who share this information, right? I think so. I mean, Giuliani in, in particular is mm-hmm. just a really, I mean, that's just embarrassing. Come on, dude. You're, you're the president's personal lawyer. You're supposed to be the guy who's on top of the facts, which we know he's not. not. <laughs> it's been a wonderful ride with Rudy over these years. Um, but, like, I, I just, I don't understand what the Daily Beast has done. So the Daily Beast, not known for their journalistic integrity, uh, particularly around this building, mm-hmm. um, has decided to go and try to find out what was going on with the person who posted this. What was the source of it? So they dove deep and basically doxed this unknown a day laborer in New York City and went through his entire work history, his entire criminal history, um, basically put his picture up there, um, did everything they could to try to make this guy's life a disaster. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, I think, explained my uh, uh, position on this uh, better than I can today. But there's another layer of this I want to get to. But he wrote, can't believe honestly that journalists don't see why it's so repellent to unleash the resources of a major news outlet on an obscure, anonymous, powerless, quasi-employed citizen for the crime of trivially mocking the most powerful political leaders. Uh, Drag an African-American day laborer into the spotlight and try to ruin his life because he made a trivial video about Nancy Pelosi. The only worst part is how you're celebrating yourselves like you did something brave and important, nauseating. And he writes again, the justifications being offered by rank-closing journalists to justify a major media outlet having investigated, docs, and exposed an anonymous day laborer for the crime of posting a mocking video of Nancy Pelosi are are almost more repugnant than the journalistic bullying itself. Totally agree on these mm-hmm. points. I mean, like, again, like, it is not as if this guy has any influence. He's a guy struggling to, to pay any of his bills. He is, you know, look, he's just a normal citizen posting a video who never thought anyone would even see it, probably, did, outside of a very tight audience. Did you see on CNN when, um, I, I don't even know his name because that's how little he means to me, but the mm-hmm. editor-in-chief of the Daily Beast, mm-hmm. when asked, you know, you're being criticized for doing this, like, do you, you, know, do you stand behind it? And his response was he actually put the responsibility on him for outing himself by tying himself to the video and to his websites that he operates, right. which is like, yeah. like, like that's like, I couldn't, it took me a second to like figure out what he meant by because that. Because if you read the story, they take great uh, pain and pleasure to tell you how wonderful, how smart they were because they dug into a line of code to see his name there. That's how they initially found who he was, because he was raising money for something related to this So you Facebook agree, it's page. his fault that he put his right, name exactly. in the code. Like, like come on, like, <laughs> and he's of no consequence to anyone. I mean, like, I, can, can I ask yes. a couple of questions? Because I'm, I'm actually, I've, I've seen bits and pieces yeah. of this, but I'm not super familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, was, for, for me as a comedian, I would like to know if this guy was doing a joke, or if he was doing a political hit job, because that changes the tamper of it for me mm-hmm. like the intentionality behind it's important to me if he if he was like hey she looks drunk check this out like that's fine you, i mean you guys do that but you're you're making yes, you're making the, the reality of it clear at the same time um i would i would say i don't know for sure he is saying he didn't even post it we should point that out that he's denying that he even did this uh we'll get to that in just a second because there's another layer to this um so he's saying he didn't even do it but uh so i don't know whether it was a joke or not my guess is it wasn't like accompanied with tons of serious commentary there's something wrong with nancy pelosi um he had written on another page around the same time he made sort of a comment about her being drunk um 
it was, they're sort of pseudo-fake news sites, I would say, is what he runs. These are kind of like this shilly sort of Facebook news, you know, the hyperbolic sort of news sites. It's not something that I like. But again, like, we have to look at, I think, the scale of things here. You have a major media organization going after a, 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 an individual who posted something to a small group of people. Didn't know that Rudy Giuliani was going to see it, right? Like, this is a guy who's who might be doing something wrong, even. But does, it, you know, punishment versus crime, I just don't, I just don't see, I don't see the levels here. I feel like, you know, taking this guy and running his life through the mud and, and exposing everything like this is just a, it's just a shoddy overextension of, of, of punishing somebody for doing something minor. Like, that doesn't mean he didn't he'd do anything. But the point but, that I made was this, is like, you can find fake news everywhere. Yeah. On every side of the aisle. So is this the new thing? Like, anyone who posts anything yeah. that's false, like, are we going to go dox them? Like, can we, we dox CNN reporters now? Dox how, many, how many fake, fake news all the time? Trump videos have there, have there been? Of and, and how many uh, have the media gone after and, like, identified? Like, so just about punching down. Like, you're punching down at a guy who is nobody. Like, debunk it. That's your job, right? To debunk fake news mm-hmm. and to make sure that set the record straight. But but what does his identity, his criminal history, what does that do to the conversation? I, I say nothing. I don't think it advances anything. And I would argue there's maybe even an argument for a piece where you don't identify him and you maybe right. tell his story loosely sure. to yeah. see like, okay, right. this is an, in- I mean, it is mildly interesting to see who posted it originally, but like, it's not like it was a big campaign and with the intent of what happened. It was just a silly post well, on a initial, minor site. I think the initial like cover was, we thought it was going to be a Russian right that job. was so that was their like that was their thing like that's why we had yeah. to investigate so thoroughly because it was a Russian and then it turned out not to be but here's his here's his information anyway yeah so I mean I, th- I feel like he's getting punished for a, a hit and run and he did a speeding ticket I, I, th- I think I would I would call him out but I wouldn't dox him I, I think yeah. if, if his goal was to if his goal was to perpetrate some kind of falsehood in order to smear a political operative and he's, he's adding non-truth to the ecosystem I, I do think that that would require some kind of response which could involve going hey this guy did this it's bad you could even call out his websites Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. These are fake news. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. I, I think for me the issue is a proportionality. Like, I, yes. like do- doxing, I, I just I don't really ever yeah. want anybody doxed. I feel like doxing is just like that's kind of the 21st century of being like burned at the stake it's, or something. It's forever. Yeah. Like, right. Like anytime anybody Google's his name, all mm-hmm. these articles are going to come up. People are going to know his criminal history. Like it, to me, that's that should be the last like yeah. thing that you do. But again, I I actually think this is the the second most important part to the story because in the investigation, you wonder how she was it, drunk. She was drunk. She really was, and she's really speaking slow. Um, no, it's that uh, they want to uh, confirm this uh, this deep investigation that they did, and they went to ask Facebook, and Facebook answered them. So listen to these quotes from the story. Quote, a Facebook official confirming a Daily Beast investigation said the video was first posted on Politics Watchdog directly from Brooks' personal Facebook wow. account. Why the hell is wow. Facebook telling a media organization I did not know going this. in and seeing the yeah the initial like how because think about this he goes into his personal post they actually look at where his per- personal page and the things he's posting just an individual citizen a regular member of those that committed no crime in fact didn't even violate their standards and practices um, they're actually outing to a, me- a media organization that asks for what they're posting secretly on their own Have page. Have you verified this, though? Because Facebook's record on privacy is so strong That's that true. I would be <laughs> very surprised if that actually happened. Well, they did say it again in the same article. Brooks okay. insisted repeatedly he was not the one who posted the Pelosi clips on the politics watchdog. He claimed he's just one of a half a dozen administrators who jointly control the page and its content. According to the official from Facebook, there were indeed six other accounts registered alongside Brooks as page administrators, but the company determined last week that all six of them were controlled by Brooks. 
Why wow. on earth are they telling this to just some random Daily Beast reporter? I mean, that is an incredible violation of your privacy. Again, I am not saying that I love everything that happened here. I'm not, I'm not trying to defend the guy. Like, I, He doesn't seem like a wonderful guy, frankly, the way they paint him. But, of course, they painted him as a horrible guy. But, I mean, the idea that you would go to Facebook and Facebook would out the individual postings of a private account just to screw over some guy they don't like or some politician they don't like is massively irresponsible. And there's real, this is the real story here, I think. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, Jason, I want to make sure we have time to move on to your um, your topic, which you said, if you think the Democrat Party was bad yesterday, it's even worse today. Yeah, wait for today. So I feel like that's another evergreen. The, the new thing... Um, I feel like the new thing among the Democrat Party is you can't say that you love America. Like it's like this weird thing where you like can't admit it. Like it has to be couched with oppression or like some sort of um, just disclaimer that America is not awesome. Like we live here and but we're not awesome. Like we're not great. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't make America great again because it was never great. So this congressional candidate. who failed in Colorado, which after this, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets elected. I'll let you, uh, you can <laughs> rebut me later with, with, your, with your Democrat star. But um, she came out and she said a number of things in the last couple of days. This wasn't one of those things that like people dug through her account. This is like the last oh, couple of days. right there. She went yeah. full, like full far left anti-American. So um, wow. one of her tweets was, uh, the American flag makes me sick. That's pretty... Um, Pretty self-explanatory. Fairly direct. (laughs) But this is the one that I'm more interested in because it exposes something very important about discourse on uh, sites like Twitter and Facebook and these other platforms Mm -hmm. that are saying we have to de-platform hate, we have to de-platform racial discrimination, all this stuff. So this is the tweet from Sarah Rao. She's a Democrat in Colorado, activist, failed congressional candidate. Quote, white people have done... Uh, everything to make my life miserable, yet I'm sp- supposed to not hate white people. Amen. So the, w- <laughs> the word is hate, right? She's saying yeah, out loud in public on Twitter that she hates white people. So people based on the color of their skin. I, 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 it I, sounds kind of racist. It does. Thank you. You Thank one you. may construe uh, it that yeah. way. It was going to take yeah, me a while. Think about it. Yeah, it was going to take me a while to connect those dots, yeah. but you, you did it for me. But I hate, I hate the what-if game. I really do. And I, I rarely play it, but I'm going to play it. Just re- put that on my account with black people. Mm-hmm. Like, re- like, you can't yeah, do no, that. Like that. You're not only down off Twitter. You're out you're of every, life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, your career is over. It's done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But somehow, not only is that accepted on, at least on the vocal part, I know, I think you do a really good job of kind of um, being balanced in the way we uh, generalize, but at least in the vocal Far left. Yeah, yeah. The hashtag activist is horrible. That, that <laughs> yeah. is acceptable. Not only acceptable, it's kind of applauded. Like to hate white people or white men or like talk dispar- disparagingly about them. Um, and this is kind of the, the direction that I'm seeing at least the activist left yeah. moving. And the liberal politicians are actually embracing this because they feel like, because they're the loudest, that this is their constituents well, and, and they're, they're bringing back something very dangerous which is ra- racialist thinking so like we'll set aside racism for a second although it very much factors into this racialist thinking is this idea that like i need to view you as a white man 
and I need to view you as a white man, and I need to view you based on immutable characteristics like skin color and gender and that kind of thing. Now, we had a system that used to be bigoted, right? We had slavery, we had things like that, and we moved away from that, which is good. Very and good. we were moving to, like, I was raised with the whole, like, you know, you're not supposed to think about people about their skin color. You're supposed to view them as an individual, all that kind of stuff. And there's a, another group, the activist left, that's come back around, and they're like, actually, you know what? Like, the racial hierarchy is a decent idea. We just had the pieces wrong. Okay, right. now fixed it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't, I just, I don't want a racial hierarchy. I don't want that at all. It's not that, like, I'm okay as long as white people are at the bottom. No, I don't want that. I want the pyramid scattered. Louis C.K. had a great bit uh, back in the day about racism and, and slavery, and he said, um, you know, he was talking about how awesome it was to be a white person, like, in America, <laughs> which is, like, he was like, how can you even deny that it's easier or better to be a white person? Like, it's not that we're better, but it, clearly, it's, clearly it's better to be white. And he's like, it's not going to go from... You know, because of what's happened, it's not going to go from white people being on the very top to just everybody being equal. He kind of made the argument in a joking way that yeah. that pendulum is going to swing. And I had no idea kind of how accurate that is kind of turning out to be now. And so that's where I think we are is that pendulum is swinging so hard instead of us becoming more equal, it's now kind of like and, and it, the pieces are being shuffled. Last word. Um, weirdly, I think it like it very oddly buttresses, say, like Richard Spencer, because Richard Spencer is a neo-Nazi. Like, like he he would very much want you and I to think of ourselves as white males, hundred percent. Now, I don't. I think of myself as like a comedian who likes Star Trek and that kind of thing. My skin color is a demographic issue, but he would like it to be that way. And I feel like there's a lot of people that, while they don't have the same goals, are are emphasizing that racialist worldview. Yeah. God help us. All right, great point. Uh, back in a minute. Good topic. I, loved, I love on her bio. We here at The Blaze, we have had really great su success using Relief Factor. I know Glenn has had an amazing success on it as well. He was in a lot more severe pain than I was, but um, it's 100% drug-free. It was created by doctors, and um, it's natural ingredients that target your body's inflammation, which in most cases is that's where your pain is coming from, right? So um, you can try it right now. If you go to relieffactor.com, get the three-week quick start pack. It's $19.95. 70% of the people who buy it go on to keep purchasing more. It's working for the majority of people. It can work for you, and, you know, the odds are in your favor, and it's 20 bucks. That's worth the 20 bucks to get out of pain. Relieffactor.com or 800-500-8384. All right, Andrew, you're going to give us some, some optimism. I'll give you some. That's what you do I'll on this I'll show. I'll give you some optimism. And I, actually, I'll, I'll piggyback off of what you were talking a minute ago. I'm really glad that you drew the distinction between the, the activist left uh, and, and the rest of the progressive movement because the, 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 the political parties, the people running political parties, um, would like you to think that there is a moniform red team and a moniform blue team, and one is good and one is bad. And the reality is that there's people all across the board. Uh, I'm not on either team. I think they're both awful. Uh, but uh, but when it comes to the Democratic Party, um, there are these different camps that are now vying for power, and you're seeing that play out in the presidential election. Uh, you've got the nascent rising socialist wing of the progressive movement, which I am not at all pleased by. I do not like seeing Bernie Sanders being high in the polls. I'm glad Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez isn't running, she probably will. That will be terrifying as well. Uh, however, you do have um, some other people in it that are actually pro-market. We'll play a clip of one. If we want to beat Donald Trump and achieve big progressive goals, socialism is not the answer. I was reelected. Uh, I was reelected in a purple <laughs> state in 2014 
one of the worst years for Democrats in a quarter century. We shouldn't try to achieve universal coverage by removing private insurance from over 150 million Americans. We should not try to tackle climate change by guaranteeing every American a government job. Hold on, hold on. As the Democratic Party, we have to create a vision for this country. You can't even listen to I want to give Americans a reason to look forward to tomorrow. Boom. Boom. Oh, looking forward gosh. to tomorrow. Who wants to look forward to tomorrow? We're dying in 11 this years. Is, Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, poor John. I like John, John Heckenlooper, and I, it breaks my heart when he gets shouted. Although this was in San Francisco with the, the, the yeah. California Democratic Party. And just as there are different packets ideologically, I will say geographically things are different. An Oklahoma Democrat, at least when I was an Oklahoma Democrat, was different than like a California Democrat. Colorado Democrats tend to be, in my experience, more pragmatic than California Democrats who don't believe in math. They're, they're, and, uh, they're chilled out on the on the weed. That's well, why I can understand why they would boo those types of policies because the you know they've been doing so well yes, with their been, policies. Yeah, California is great. Exactly. Yeah, Colorado doing a pretty good job actually. And I'll, I'll add to that from an electoral standpoint. Like, do you know who I think might win purple states? People who've won purple states. Mm -hmm. I actually think that people that have a track record doing that, like John Hickelooper, might have a better opportunity than, say, like Beto, who lost. Right. Or, more importantly, like someone from a hard, hard left position and a blue position. So the optimism is this. There are people within the Democratic uh, Party that believe in math and have a pro-market outlook. They although, just get booed. Unfortunately, right, they unfortunately the they're not leading the pack right now. Yeah. And well, I hope they do. I would love to see... That's an understatement, Andrew. Yeah, well, if Klobuchar's doing all right... Like she's like at eight. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah, I do this compared to Hickenlooper. <laughs> candidate rankings, and I've been working on these for this week. And it's like you can find actually several people in the Democratic field that will say, "I don't like socialism." John Delaney is one. Mm -hmm. uh, Hickenlooper, Bennett, at some he level, got booed is. Too for, yeah, he for got booed too. Not supporting Medicare for all. Right, and that's the problem. They're all like fourteen and below for the most. Yeah. Klobuchar is yeah. a little higher, and people would argue, I think, that Biden is the actual place where people are putting that emphasis. And now I don't yeah. think Biden's that guy, but Biden wants you to think he's that guy. And I'm a little concerned with some of these Democrats. Hickenlooper actually had a comment that made me a little, a little nervous about him in that he said something to the fact of, well, you can have very progressive ideas, but you have to present them in a moderate way. And it's like, well, mm. I, that's kind of just lying to mm. me. <laughs> I, I, you know, now, Hickenlooper's record on certain issues, I think is really bad. On certain issues, is is okay. Like you're right, he's better on the, he's better. I would certainly rather have him than a lot of the people in, the, in that field. Um, you know, his record on guns and stuff, I, I'm not not too fond of. But sure. You know, he's I, not a Republican. He's no, not, no one's exactly, claiming that he yeah, is. Totally, he is a Democrat. But I mean, he's he's at least not Ocasio Cortez. He's not these other types. I, I get nervous when they talk like that because I think Biden's a great example of this. Biden is not a moderate. Biden is a. He was one of the most progressive senators in the Senate in 2008 when he was running for president. And the idea that people are looking to him as a moderate partially fills me with with a little hope like the democrats like your point to your point like they're actually not looking for the 9000 socialists they have to choose for they'd rather have this guy who's kind of old timey and has some kind of conservative things on his record and kind of comes off as a moderate and likable and hey maybe there's some hope for the democratic party on the other side, like it, it makes me nervous because I don't think that's who Joe Biden actually is. He may be likable, but he's I think, no I think he's a temperamental moderate, but that's different yes. than being a policy moderate yes, or yes. an ideological moderate. Mm -hmm. I don't, and I'm, I'm not even because like if you if you go back and look at Biden, who I, I've I've soured on Biden. I was I was kind of if you recall, I was kind of like yeah, yeah. we call Biden, like, and he seems like a nice guy. Yes. Like I like as a person, I prefer him to Donald Trump. But uh, <laughs> but as a but in, in terms of actual policies, like I look at the Democratic Party right now, and I'm like, so you're basically going to run against Donald Trump. 
male Hillary Clinton. Because from a policy perspective, it's exactly the same. He voted for the war in Iraq. He was against uh, uh, super predators. He was big on the crime bill. Like, all these things. That I'm like, what? Like, you already did that. Yeah. Go with Hickenlooper. <laughs> you are so pro-Hickenlooper. I, I think that your I want, campaign I, I, brought I, you on here. I want to see the Republican Party, I want the libertarian wing to grow and prosper, and I want to see, like, the Ben Sass conservative intelligentsia do better, and I want to see the Jeff Flakes go away. Or not Jeff Flake, Jeff Sessions go away. Yeah. And I want the Democrats to nurse that pragmatic pro-business wing. I want that to happen. All right, back in a minute. You realize all the things that would happen are going to exact opposite. <laughs> 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 like, uh, coming up in overtime, we are going to talk about the uh, new Illinois abortion bill. Woo, the most progressive abortion bill out there. So exciting. I've also got a video about it on uh, Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered, so make sure to check that out on YouTube. The Pink Haired Feminist makes another appearance for those of you who are fans. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. The state of Illinois, they are really excited, making history, uh, the most progressive in the nation for reproductive health care, although I'm not sure what about this is reproductive nor health care. Um, but the uh, the legislation that they just enacted uh, repealed the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act, which stated that any person who knowingly performs a partial birth abortion and thereby kills a human fetus or infant is guilty of a class four felony. Um, and the, of course, the law defined a partial birth abortion as an abortion in which the person performing the abortion partially vaginally delivers a living human fetus or infant before killing the fetus or infant and completing the delivery. So they made sure that there were no more hurdles in their ability to kill uh, babies who are, you know, nine months in the womb. Out, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's. I mean, and this was of course banned by George W. Bush when mm -hmm. he was uh, in office, and along with unanimous support from a lot tons of Democrats too. It was not a controversial uh, idea at the time. It's amazing what's happened since, though, and we did cover this on uh, an episode of, of uh, Glenn's TV show um, a few months ago. And that really what they did is when they banned partial birth abortions, they just adjusted the procedure so that the abortion could happen at the same time, except what they do instead is kill the baby when it's completely inside the womb in and then remove, the it stomach, by, right? remove it by pieces. Yeah. Um, instead of partially birthing it and then and then killing like The spirit of the law seems to be a tad violated with that one. I mean, it's look, it's not the most common uh, procedure, though I will say the NPR, um, we had, there was that story a couple weeks ago about the NPR's um, uh, talking about like how, how to talk about abortion on the air. And it was, mm -hmm. it was popular in conservative circles because it made a lot of assumptions that I would say uh, were very uh, left-leaning, uh, mm -hmm. sort of the extreme pro-choice pro arguments in their wording. However, one place that they did say, I think, something relatively conservative in the wor wording was never to refer to um, late-term abortions as rare because we do not know how often they occur. For NPR to say that is pretty, I think, I thought that was pretty stunning. I mean, because I, I thought, I, I, I'm comfortable with the rare thing. I just don't like the idea that that thing happens at all. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, to me, I still don't like that idea. But they said uh, you actually, they don't have hard numbers on how often it happens, and it may not be all that rare, yeah. which is uh, concerning to me. I mean, I, you know, again, I don't, I, I would like to see how this relates to the national picture because I think it is still banned. I mean, to have a partial birth abortion is still illegal mm -hmm. in this country. 
whether they're trying to overwhelm that or have a challenge, maybe yeah. be the uh, motivation there. I think a challenge. Andrew, what do you what do you think? I think I'm finally with you guys about? on this. Hey! hey, we brought him yeah. over finally. The well, late yeah. term won him over. Yeah, we, I'm, I'm like uh, like you know, I, as I've mentioned before, like I, I a lot of people quite disagree with me on this. That's fine. I don't think you have a soul at the moment of conception, so I don't think that you're killing anybody. Like the first you know however long that is, first month, whatever it is, I don't have the exact figures in front of me. So I'm I'm like I'm pro-choice in that capacity. Mm-hmm. However, I'd say like the point at which it's like an eight-month-old in, like infant. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're yeah. murdering a child, right? Yes. So I'm I'm against murder. I don't I, okay. I don't okay. I don't I don't like the position, which is very common, and I find it's odd because I think people are trying to make kind of a a moderate like like have your cake and eat it too thing of like, well, I think it's evil and murder, but it should be legal. And I'm like, well, I I don't I think it should be legal because I don't think it's murder. Right. If I thought it was murder, I wouldn't be for it. Right. The, the only the only question I have is because I don't know this bill, I don't know what's going on with mm-hmm. Illinois. Are they doing this just to have the option available, or was it couched in any type of medical exception language? I no. There, okay. to, to my knowledge, what I've been reading on it, and I don't know if you read up on it, I did not see any kind of language that it was only in the this, event of... This was not of, if, like, you have to do this or the woman's going to die or something. Because in right. that instance, I would say, okay, as terrible as that is, I understand why that might be going well, Right, through. but again, if you're going to go through the procedure and have the baby... How would that be safer if there was some sort of emergency of the mother's life? How would that be safer than having, say, an emergency C-section or just inducing, you know, labor and you either give birth to a baby that's dead or you give birth to a baby that's alive? Okay. Right? So that's that's what I don't get at viability. It's like you go, you do an emergency C-section at that point. If it's truly, if it's truly like we have to get this out right this second, the emergency C-section, it's like they do them all the time. I, I, from what, I studied a lot about this over the weekend because I just couldn't... Sounds I, like a I fun weekend. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Party, Party animal. <laughs> I just couldn't fathom... Where was um, our invite, <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> fathom uh, how, how Illinois allowed this to happen. And um, from what I was reading from a doctor, that this whole procedure, whenever they inject, you know, the baby to stop its heart and then induce labor and then deliver a dead baby takes usually takes two to four days. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So if the mother's life is at risk and it's that at risk and it's that much an, of an emergency. Okay. Why would you not? You would have a C-section done in a matter yeah, of hours instead of, that, instead if, of days. At that point, anyway, if, you, for, if this was an elective thing and you right. just didn't want a kid at that point, at that point, why not just deliver it and give it up for adoption? Right? Well, right. And again, I mean, you've had, you know, six whole months to figure out whether or not you wanted to keep the kid. I th- don't think it's too much to ask I'll, that you don't decide to change your mind in the eighth month of pregnancy. I'll throw in a spanner, though, because th- this, is, this is a situation that was, was uh, told to me by a friend recently, which is a grim one to contemplate, but, but is at least worth considering, is if you, if you were nine months out mm-hmm. and a, a doctor confirmed to you that your child was absolutely going to die mm-hmm. um, within a week and it was going to be in terrible pain during that time, I, I, don't, I could understand why someone would go, I don't want to go through with this. I don't want to bring someone into the world for the sole purpose of pain. Mm-hmm. So if it were something like that, I could understand why that might be there. I don't understand that. I, I, we don't typically handle, obviously, illness that way for human beings. I mean, right. we, you know, I think... You know, even even a, a situation where you would choose for yourself to do that is controversial in the society. Which choosing for someone else that has no voice in that argument is 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 tough. And you know, of course, obviously, doctors get things wrong sometimes. I think you're totally right in that. Like, I you can understand why someone would would do something like that. I think, you know, what we try to do uh, when the law is used best, I believe, it's when we try to take the situation and take the power out of the person who's having a really an emotional uh, mm-hmm. moment there. 
I mean, we do this with talking about punishments for crimes. Like, we don't go to the person whose daughter was just murdered to say what the, what is what is the penalty there. Um, I think like I, I I just there should be some limit in that when a person does not have a choice to to say yes, I, I you know what too much pain, I'm ready to go. Erring on the side of life seems to me to be the not only the right thing to do, but also the thing that's constitutionally guaranteed. You know, I mean, you should have the right to be able to live. You should have the right to be able to pursue happiness, even if it is a horrible one-week thing. I mean, I, you know, as bad as that is, doctors would do what they could for, for a child. I know that I'm always on the on the side of this, but I mean, I, I, I and I do understand you're, the emotion you're, of you're it. You're consistent, and I appreciate that. I don't I don't know that I would take the same tact, but like, you know, Well, sure. but I also wonder, too, and I'm obviously just... I'm not a doctor, just as a, you know, You're not. just as a, a warning here, just in case, the doctor. just in case anyone was confused. But I would think that modern medicine, where we're at, that if they delivered the baby alive, there would be something that the doctor could do to at least keep it more comfortable, sure you so. know, while it was alive, if that was the case, you know, uh, what you're saying yeah, was one, the case. Yeah, one would hope. And like, but I, I, mean, I, you would think. I, I bring it up because I'm just, I'm, all I'm trying to do is just figure out if there are what I would consider legitimate reasons to have an abortion that late in the game. I, you know what? Um, at this point, I would love if there was a law that said that kind of language, sure. right? Like, like if the doctor be... has already determined the baby will not live, you know, past yeah. whatever, um, X number of days whatever the case may be. I, you know what? I could stomach that at this point. I could stomach that. Yeah, and I think, it, first of all, it's a move massively to the right to have mm-hmm. a law. Like, if that's just the law, like, that would be a massive move um, okay. in the right direction, in just, my opinion. Um, but I think, you know, the, the problem with these things, and, the, and they've been applied a thousand times in this way, is that life and health of the mother gets constantly abused. I mean, you know, again, like the argument in New York and, and Vermont was familial health. Mm-hmm. Like as if, you're, if your family's going to be disturbed, that's a reason the <laughs> woman's health is in danger and you can have an abortion. I mean, like, like that's, ob- again, the, the, the spirit of the law, the, the, the average person, I think like you, Andrew, who would say, look, there needs to be an exception for health of the mother or life mm-hmm. of the mother. We find out that basically what happens is every time they want one, they come up with a reason for the health being violated and then it's always approved. And that's not what it's, I think people with good intent on these things wind up getting overwhelmed by, by the, the people who actually do these procedures and say, look, we got to get this done. It's a, you know, you want it. I want to do it. We want your money. Here we go. Let's put it through the way, any way that we can. People get around these laws. And this is our constant complaint with regulation generally. People are, are going to find their ways around them anyway. Yeah. Um, one more quick thing about this law that uh, I found interesting. It also is going to make insurance companies cover abortion care. Mm. Yes, Andrew, you got to be on our side on that I'm on one. On your side on that one, like, like, like again, like, um, let's say first trimester. I'm, I'm pro-choice. I, like, I don't think you're killing anybody. Um, however, I recognize that you guys do, mm-hmm. and so I, I think requiring by law to force someone to perform what they believe to be infanticide, even if I don't think it is, I don't feel comfortable making someone commit murder in their mind. I, and I wonder, Stu. Um, last word. If if the insurance companies are sinister enough, Mm -hmm. they will look at this and they will say, well, paying for an abortion is cheaper than paying for labor and delivery. Right. So maybe we don't maybe we don't challenge this. Really? I mean, really suspect that like this is a weird way to put it. I suspect that that would in in terms of those who would and would not provide it. I suspect the marketplace would sort itself out. I don't Mm -hmm. think that you would see uniform. Um, positions from every single insurance company, yeah. um, but it is an issue when we get into things like like uh, like public health care and that kind of thing. Like you know, uh, I I would I would find it very different. Say in, in general, I, I I you know 
I, I, I would find it different to say, like, have publicly funded condoms versus publicly funded abortion. Right. Like they're, they're, they're different, they're different phenomena in yeah. my mind. Yeah. I would agree. And I would say, too, that I think, like, it's, if you take abortion out of it, I mean, just take it out of it, no, the government shouldn't be telling any insurance company that they have to cover anything. Right. right? right. Like, I mean, they should be able to do, should be able to offer up the product they want to offer up. As long as they're honest about it and people aren't being misled to think, oh, my cancer surgery is covered and, oh, no, it's not. I mean, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen plenty of that in the insurance industry as well. But, I mean, when it, if, it, if they don't want to, if they don't want to treat, you know, sore throat medicine, they shouldn't have to treat sore throat right. medicine. You know, they, they should be able to treat the things that they want to, to treat and charge what they want to charge for it and let people make up their minds. Which was one of our big criticisms about Obamacare. Uh, all right. What Friday's poll was, will you keep your Netflix subscription if they boycott Georgia for their pro-life legislation? Oh, wow. Come on. 27% pretty honest there. That's... You guys think I have my own Netflix subscription? <laughs> Come on. I, I use I my friends' 73% of you say you're not going to keep your Netflix subscription? No way. No way. I don't believe you. Well, if that's I don't believe true. 73% of you have Netflix subscriptions. <laughs> Everyone is using Sarah's mom just like me. <laughs> don't they have a limit? I, don't I think there is. I think there maybe. is. We've never reached it yet. <laughs> Not saying I do that. Just how saying. many subscribers they really have? I mean, they're already they are admitting to having hundreds of millions. It probably t- you know, almost everybody in the planet is actually watching a subscription some one way or another. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, all right, today's poll: What is the solution to big tech censorship, new platforms, or freedom of speech laws? Let us know what you think at the Blazes Twitter. What do you think, Stowe? Uh, new, 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 new platforms. platforms. Uh, yes, I would say competition. No more laws. Hundred yeah. percent. Okay. Yeah, more options rather than limiting other people's options. Come mm-hmm. on. What could possibly go wrong with the government dictating any sort of you know freedom of speech laws when it comes to yeah. platforms? I mean, if they wanted to restrict freedom of speech laws, they should have put it in the Constitution, right? Hey. All right, that's it from us. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.